Well, um, you know, you can, you can have your Bibles handy. All of the passages that we're going to look at are going to be on the overhead tonight, but, uh, uh, but if, you, if you certainly want to keep your Bible handy there, you can track some of these things down. What we're going to do tonight, beginning tonight, tonight and over, I guess you might say four Wednesday nights, will be tonight and like two more Wednesday nights in April. And then we'll have a prayer meeting, and then we'll have one more Wednesday. So it'll be a total of four Wednesdays that we're going to be looking at the subject that we're going to be looking at tonight. Let me kind of lead into it by saying this. We spent seven months working our way through the book of Exodus, 40 chapters in uh, seven months, which if you, you know, you, most of you were here, you know that we, uh, we did not seek to cover every chapter kind of did a flyover and hit the, you know, the, the real high peaks, you might say, in the book of Exodus. And one of the things we passed over, though we did mention it, we, we, we mentioned it and you know, spent, I guess, you know, at least one Sunday, maybe a couple, that, that focused on um, the tabernacle. We, you know, we, we, we did focus a little bit upon it, but, but not a great deal. And so I wanted to take just a few Wednesday evenings to go over this important theme. It's been a few years ago, um, back, back when I was a little bit younger and I was able to bend over better. Um, I, I used to love to metal detect. Now, I still love to metal detect, but I don't, don't get to do that as often as I used to. But years ago, Catherine and I would we'd, we'd just head out you know, on, a, on an evening, and we'd go and find, an, you know, hopefully, an old home somewhere hopefully abandoned, that we could uh, you know, go through the yard and treasure hunt. Oh, well, in this particular case, we, we thought the home was abandoned, and uh, it turned out that it wasn't. Uh, and so anyway, the lady was really nice, and uh, uh, I asked her if it was okay, and she said sure. And, of course, it was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful old home built back in the mid-1800s, and... Um, Catherine was going on and on about, oh, you know, it's so beautiful, so beautiful, you know, and we, we love, we love to see houses like this. And uh, so the lady was so kind, she said, well, do you want to see it? And so she invited us in, and she took us on a tour through the house, you know, and got to see all of it. It was, it was really, really great. And so I thought back about that uh, today uh, because in a way, in a way that's kind of what we're doing here for the next few Wednesday nights uh, as as we look at the tabernacle, we're kind of um, going to uh, God's you know dwelling place, okay? And and so we're, we're going to kind of focus on that. And uh, over the next few weeks, tonight we'll just look at the tabernacle in general. Next few weeks we'll look at the furnishings within the tabernacle. And why is that important? Well, the Bible is is filled, you know this, filled with pictures and images that form an accurate depiction of who God is and what he wants. And God uses, again, imagery, pictures, uh, metaphor, simile, you, you know, things like, uh, like we would say. We, we would say, you know, if we're trying to describe something, we say, we'd say, well, it's kind of like this. Or it's, you know, think about this. You see? And so all through the Bible, we, we, we get these kind of pictures, word pictures. And what God wants ultimately is this, is to dwell with us, okay? Ultimately, what God wants is to dwell with us, to be present 
for us and for us to know him and experience him in the reality of who he is. And we're going to see a number of different passages tonight from the scriptures. You're going to see them on the overhead. But the first one you're going to see is found in the book of Revelation. I want to start here because, you know, this is, this is kind of the final wrap-up, you see. And what do we see? John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice. What did this loud voice say? The loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Uh, let's see the next portion of that, Caleb. He will dwell with them. Uh, there it is. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now, most of you know, in addition to that, it goes on to say, there'll be more, no more death, no more pain. And, and, and sometimes we focus on those things. And I, I do. I certainly think, wow, there's going to be a time when there's no more death, no more pain. Woo, that's great. But... Boy, don't you think the real focus here is God's going to dwell? The, 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 desire that, the desire that begins in the book of Genesis is going to be ultimately fulfilled, finally. God dwelling with his people, and they'll be, we'll be his people, and he will be with us as our God. And I want you to think back with me. You know, we, look, we looked at Revelation here. That, that we, see, we see that this is, this is what it's all headed to, folks. God dwelling with his people. It's what he wants. So we go back, we think about the book of Genesis. And what do we find in the book of Genesis? We see the garden, the Garden of Eden, as a special place where Adam and Eve had a relationship with God and lived a life that was blessed by God's presence. The garden is a place where God's presence dwelt in a special kind of way. Okay? Think back with me. You know, you think back to the early chapters of Genesis and uh, God walking in the cool of the evening, you know, and there present with Adam and Eve. Um, however, in Genesis chapter 3, we find that due to their disobedience, Adam and Eve were driven from the garden, from the presence of God. So it begins, this wonderful story begins with Adam and Eve dwelling with God, God being present with them. And then we see this, this rebellion, this disobedience that results in them being expelled from the garden and ultimately from the presence of God. And so the Bible goes on, you know, with its... With its narrative throughout the book of Genesis, then we get to the book of Exodus, which we just went through for seven months. And what do we find in Exodus? We see God desiring to dwell among his people. What do we see in Exodus 25 and 8? And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Hmm. Now think about it. This, this hasn't happened since the garden. Beautiful story begins with God dwelling with Adam and Eve and enjoying, he, they were enjoying his presence. And then they sinned, they disobeyed, and they were expelled. And so now in Exodus, we see God resuming this desire to dwell with his people. And so let them make me a sanctuary 
Okay, we'll, we'll see what that means in just a moment. That I may dwell. A sanctuary is a, a holy place. Let them make me a sanctuary. That I want to dwell in their midst. Now, here's the question, though. How will a holy God unite his presence with a sinful people? Because that's what caused the separation in the first place. Uh, sin, disobedience, rebellion. And so... Now we have God coming. I want to I dwell with you. And so God's got to figure out a way. God's got to come up with a way of how can he dwell, him being holy and perfect, how can he dwell with unholy, sinful, imperfect people? How's that going to happen? And the answer that we find in the book of Exodus is God chose to manifest his presence in a tent to accompany his people on their life's journey. Now, few questions you want to keep in mind, just to toss around, you know, just keep, keep them there in your mind, think about them. Why did the Israelites carry around this big tent? Because that's what they do. That's what they do. They end up having to carry this big tent around. We'll see a picture of it in a minute. They've got to carry this big tent around. So think about that first, okay? And then think about why so elaborate? I mean, the, 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 this, this tent, and the, especially the furnishings and everything that goes with it, it's, it's so elaborate. Now, why? Why? Why all the furnishings? I mean, why, why didn't God say, hey, just go down to Joe Lay's downtown and pick up antiques and fill it with antiques? Why all the furnishings that he chooses? Why is that? And I guess most of all, what, what do all these furnishings mean? In other words, is... is is there something that God is trying to teach? Is there something that God's trying to teach by this tabernacle and all of its furnishings? And, of course, the answer is yes. Yes, indeed. Actually, the tabernacle story, which begins in Exodus chapter 25, is a story before the story. Okay? The tabernacle story is a, a story before the bigger story. It's a picture. It's a picture of God's presence among his ancient people that ultimately reveal the person of his son, Jesus Christ. If we will keep an eye on the story and follow with the story, it is a story and a picture of God's presence, again, among his ancient people. We, again, we looked at this for seven months and ultimately points us to Jesus Christ. This tabernacle that we're going to see in just a few minutes was going to be the centerpiece of Old Testament religion for 400 years. And inside this special area was, and I want you to think about this too, inside this special area was the domain of God preserved in a fallen world. Okay? I want you to think about that with me. The, inside this, what we're going to see, this layout is is. Is, is the domain, it's, it's God's domain in this fallen, sinful world. Now, here's, here's what I want to start with. Um, we don't want to confuse, because I, I, know, I know some of you, there's, here's, here's what we're dealing with. There's some of you that have a real good understanding uh, I, I re, of, of what we're looking at. I remember, uh, Larry Diane, I remember you all telling me uh, um, years ago, Pauline Nichols, taught about, the, years ago, taught about the tabernacle, if I remember right. And, and I remember you all talking about how good that was. And so you, you all, have, you know, there's, there's some here that's going to be like, I've heard this and I have a pretty good understanding. 
There's others that will, you know, might say, look, I, I, I think I know some. I think I know some, but, you know, don't have, I haven't put all the pieces together. And then there's some. There's some that are just going to say, I really, I've never really gone over this before. I don't know that much about it. And so to clear up a little bit of confusion, we, we don't want to confuse the tabernacle with what will come later, which is called the temple, okay? So I want you to see first a picture of the temple. Now, this, this is later, okay? Later in Israel's history, there's going to be a temple built in Jerusalem. Now, that's not a tent. You, you don't pack this up, okay, and, and haul it with you, okay? This is a permanent structure, okay, until it was ultimately destroyed. <laughs> but later in history of the Israelites, they're going, they're going to have a, a physical temple built in Jerusalem. But our focus is not upon the temple. Our focus is upon the tabernacle. And you'll see a picture here. We've showed this on Sunday mornings before. This is just a, again, a, a replica, a model. It's not the original, of course, but uh, it's, it's a bit of a model. Uh, and, and you'll see, and we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, at least, the you know, the outer part and, 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 and kind of walk our way through this a little bit. And then we'll look at the particulars uh, a little later as we go along. But you'll notice this tent in the middle, okay? The tent was situated in, in, in a large courtyard, as you can see. And it was 45 feet in length, 15 foot wide, and 15 foot high. That gives you an, an idea of the dimensions. And it was divided... If, if, if you'll notice here, it's, it's divided. Uh, you can't actually see this yet, but we're going to see it in a minute. It's divided into um, uh, an outer court, which that, that's outside within, within the parameters of the, uh, uh, the curtains there on the outside parameters. Inside that area is called the outer court, okay? Then, then you've got the next, when you enter into that tent, would be the, what, what would be called the holy place. And then further in is the most holy place. And so what you should, what you should, I want you to think about this for a minute and, and get a hold of this. Note the three, what's, what we call three gradations of approach to God, okay? You've got this outer court, holy place, most holy place. Uh, for example, all Israelites were invited into the outer court. All Israelites could, could come in the outer court. However, in the holy place, only the priests were allowed. Not just anybody could go in. You had to be a priest of the tribe of Levi. Then, in the most holy place, only the high priest alone, and only one day per year, could they go into the most holy place. Also, along the way, you you would notice, and you should notice, and hopefully it was intended to be noticed, as, as you begin your journey, as you enter into that outer uh, entrance, as you make your journey, you begin first to see bronze, bronze, bronze metal. But then as you move through, make your way, and you get closer and closer to the holy place, you begin to see gold. Okay? Now, before we, before we look at this picture here, let, let me ask you this. Why... What do you suppose this taught the Israelites, this gradation, okay? There's, there's this outer. We can go here, but we can't go in there. Only a priest can go in. And then only the high priest can go in. And, and we see bronze, and then we begin, as we go through, we begin to see more elaborate gold. 
What, what do you think? What do you think? Just, just your opinion. What do you think that gradation of, of moving through, what do you think that taught the Israelites? What do you think? Okay, a, a journey, yeah, okay. But as they're, as, they're, as they're making this journey, what should, what should, they, what should they be learning on this journey, of, of this gradation? Okay, we got bronze, and now we're getting closer to the holy place, and then the most holy place, and it's, it's gold. It's more elaborate. It's more beautiful. It's more stunning. Chris? Yeah, yeah, more holy, getting closer to the, to the beauty of holiness. Just the, that, that, that gradation of, you know, out here it's this, you know, it's, it's a little more common, and then getting closer in. And as we move closer, closer to, to the holy of holies, move closer to the presence of God, this overwhelming beauty of holiness. So, uh, again, the bronze leading up to, to the gold. Now, here we have a layout, okay? This, this picture here is a good layout. You'll notice the entrance. And again, you, 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 in, this, in this courtyard area, this outer court, you'll see the first stop is the bronze altar. We'll talk about that next week, and we'll talk about the bronze laver next week. We'll take both of those next week, and then we'll save the others for later. But notice, again, the Israelites were allowed in the courtyard. This is where the confession would take place. Sacrifices would be taking place. And again, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but, but, but then, again, the priests would move into that next area. They'd go through a curtain or, or a veil uh, and, and into the holy place, you see. And then the high priest again into the most holy, the holy of holies. Uh, the entire, this entire courtyard, you'll notice, was set apart from the world by a curtain petition. Let's go back to the previous picture just for a moment. Okay? See that, that notice, notice how it's closed in there, okay? And, and it's, it's designed, this curtain position, to, again, to set, set it apart from the outside world. The tabernacle, or this tent, was the Lord's temporary dwelling place, again, during the Israelites' 40-year wandering and their 300-plus years in the land of Canaan. And we find, again, the tabernacle story, again, begins. If you, if you just want to look at this, you can. It begins in chapter 25 and continues on through uh, the rest of the book of Exodus. The tabernacle actually had several names. Now, this is another thing that can get confusing. You, you start reading through the Bible, and you'll, you'll see that there's different names used, and you'll think, are these different, are these different things, or... Or, or is it the same thing? And so let's try to clear that up for just a moment. The tabernacle actually had several Hebrew names, and each one signifies a, a, a certain purpose of the tabernacle. For example, just, just a moment ago we read, build me a sanctuary, okay? Um, we, know, we know that's the tabernacle that we're looking at, but God said, build me a sanctuary. And so what, what does that tell us? Well, it, it's the place where the holy presence of God will be. Uh, again, sanctuary means holy place. So it's a, it's the, the, the tabernacle is a holy place because God's presence abides there. So it's called the sanctuary, but then it's also called the tent of the Lord. The tent of the Lord. Now what, it, what does that teach us? Well, it's a temporary dwelling among his people. 
okay? Because later there's going to be a temple. And then later we're going to see God come in the flesh. And and, and Christ is going to what? Tabernacle with us, you see. And so when we think of the tent, our our body is referred to as a tent, right? Remember Paul Paul talks about, you know, he's going to, one of, one of the, uh, I guess the imagery that's used of us dying is a folding of a tent. You know, we, we die, a metaphor of that is we fold up the tent. We're no longer living in the tent. And so the tent of the Lord, again, is a temporary, it just stresses the temporariness of God's dwelling with his people in this form. Then it's called the tent of testimony. That means it's a place where God testified to his covenant of grace with Israel. And then finally, it's also called the tent of meeting. It's the place where the Lord met with his people as represented and mediated by the priests. In other words, God's going to dwell with his people. Remember, we talked earlier about, you know, how's God, a holy God, going to dwell with unholy people? It's, it's, it's going to have to be mediated. It's going to have to be a mediator between this holy God and unholy people. Okay, we'll see more of that later. Now, uh, yeah, so different, different names. When you're reading through there and you, you start going, tent of meeting, what is that? Where's that at? What, sanctuary, what about that? Is that? All of these are references to the same thing, the tabernacle. Now, where did Moses get the concept or the building plans for the tabernacle? And the answer is not Lowe's. It's not Home Depot. Any of those are not the answer, okay? So... <laughs> Anybody want to venture a guess? Where, where, did God, where, where did Moses get the building plans? Where, what did he, was, was it like Joe, in the Mormons, Joseph Smith? I think it was, Is it Joseph Smith or the Mormons? I think, I think it is. Jo, it, it was, was it like Joseph Smith? Did he have a dream and the angel come in the dream and all that kind of nonsense? No, no, no. Where, where, did, where did Moses get the building plans? From, from God on the mountain? God. Moses went up into the mountain and stayed there, and God, God gave him. In fact, let's see. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. And so Moses is given the, 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 this concept, the plan, uh, by God himself. But then that causes us to ask another question. Where? Did God get the design and concept? Did he get it at Lowe's or, and then pass it down? No, probably not, right? So where did God get the design and concept? Where did this come from? And this is where I think Bible study gets fun and interesting is when you, you start, the pieces start falling together, you know? You, you, you read this over here and you, you think, I wonder why... Yeah, because look, look. I mean, let, let's face it. Probably at least two or three of you are already dozed off since uh, seven o'clock, uh, <laughs> since we started. Because you, you're t- tabernacle. Huh. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I know it's tough sledding. You know, this this is diff- This is different than, than other things that we can look at in the Bible. So you you might be sitting there like, oh my goodness, I can't wait till eight o'clock. But it, it, it's great when you begin to see things fit together. So where did God get this? concept of tabernacle. Why, why in the world does he come up with this idea of a, a, a tent, you know? Build this tent for me, you know? And, 
and you know, we'll do, we'll put some furniture in it and all that. What is, what's going on here? Well, we, we get some information on this in the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. So let's look at that. Uh, here we go. They, and I just define they for you, priests, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy, see that word, and shadow of what is in heaven. Now, where, first, first of all, where, where, is, where is God at in, in heaven? Okay. They, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So we learn a little bit extra here than what we know in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we, we, we hear God saying, hey, hey, build this this way. But now we see the word warned. God, in, 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 in God telling Moses to, to build it according to this pattern, he was warning him, like, don't, you know, don't freewheel on this, okay? Uh, don't let any building creep work in here. Uh, here's how you build this. Here's wh- why, because, why? Because what, what is the writer in the book of Hebrews saying? What do we know? A copy, listen, a copy is made from what? It's made from an original, right? Also, a shadow is cast from something of substance, okay? To, to get a shadow, it has to be, like, like if, I, if I, I'm standing here and I can look down on the floor and I see my shadow, okay? That shadow is cast by the substance of me. Or if I hold up this Bible and, and I see the shadow of it, it's cast by the substance of something. So what else do we learn in Hebrews that helps explain? Because we're seeing here that this sanctuary that we're studying about, and we read about in the book of Exodus, God, we're asking, where did God get the plan for this? Well, uh, this tabernacle was a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven, Right? Then we read in the next passage in the book of Hebrews, what do we read here? Caleb, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now, that's only a copy of the true one. The sanctuary or the tabernacle that we're studying about was a copy of the true tabernacle, the true one. Um, okay, we're being informed that the tabernacle was a was we call it an antitype, and behind an antitype is always its type. And so, what is the type of the tabernacle? What what is it's, is the true one? He entered into heaven itself. The 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 true the true tabernacle was the plans for the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. Uh, in fact, let me, let, me, let me read you something here. Uh, this is kind of helpful for me. This, is, this brings this down to like a four-year-old could understand. When you were a child, you no doubt drew pictures for your mother and father. Most likely, you used crayons. However, your crayon drawing of your house was not really your house. It was just a drawing of what was genuine. In the tabernacle, God provided his people with a very 
large crayon drawing. It was designed to teach the Israelites about what it meant for God to dwell among them and to lift their hearts to heaven to the reality of the tabernacle. Above all, the drawing was to help the people of God know him. What was really what was really behind all of this, it was designed to teach the Israelites about what it meant for God to dwell among them and to lift their hearts to heaven to the reality of the tabernacle. Above all, the drawing was to help the people of God know him. So, uh, teaching. God was teaching his people what it meant for him to dwell with them and, and that they would become to know him better. See? Now, I want you to see a picture of the encampment. Okay? Uh, notice the parameters of this picture, north, east, west, and south. Okay? God, God told the Israelites, here's how we're going to do this. When, when you set up camp, there's going to be times when all this is going to be moved. Okay? It's going to be moved, and we're going to go on our journey. They're going to pack up the tabernacle and all of its furnishing. They're going to pack it up. They're going to take the brazen altar, and it's, it's on poles, and they're going to carry it on their shoulders, and they're going to march and move to the next location, and then they're going to set up camp again. And they are to set it up according to this design. You've got the 12 tribes of, of Israel on the parameters laid out. And, you know, when you start looking at this, you know, surely, you, you, surely in your mind you start going, why? Why is, it, why is it laid out this way? What, this this kind of looks like order, doesn't it? It doesn't look like chaos at all, does it? Very orderly. You know? But what, what do you notice is in the center? The tabernacle. The tabernacle. Isn't it, isn't it at least interesting, maybe fascinating, that God says, here's how we're going you, to, you, we're going to set this up to where I'm at the center. I'm at the center. I'm at the center of your life. <laughs> let me ask you, what, what do you think? I mean, just let me hear from you. What, what do you think that location taught the Israelites? Okay, good, good. Anybody else? What? Set, you got, that's got to be set up first. Yeah, that's good, good point, good point. It would be kind of difficult to set all, all this up and then try to cram that in, you know, yeah. God first, yeah, what? Anything else that you, just comes to your mind, you know? Because, again, this is teaching. This is, this is God teaching his people orderly. Uh, I'm sorry? Exactly. Center of our heart, yes. Center, center of our, 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 our being, our heart, yes, absolutely. Uh, th- this, let's take the, the remainder of the minutes we have and look at a little bit about, just kind of probe just a little bit about what, what is being taught here. And I, and I, I think the, fir- the first thing we should recognize, the holiness of God. Now, we've already mentioned that just a moment ago, but let's try to drill down in that for just a moment. The fact that God is holy is, is being taught to the people. And let me ask you, that is something we can forget, right? We can forget that rather easily. For, forget how set apart God is, how pure, how, how perfect uh, we, we can forget these things so easily. And so the tabernacle taught the people about holiness by means of the materials that were used in its construction. Um, for example, 
For example, the, the outer court had an unadorned curtain. That, that, that's that, you know, the, the, that curtain that we enter into first, okay? It was an unadorned curtain, and the courtyard furniture used bronze sockets and wooden poles. Again, gradation. You know, it starts out, you know, with, you know it's, we've got wood and we've, we've got bronze. Later, it's going to be wood covered in, in gold. Uh, and so all of these things, all of these particulars about how this was built and what it was built with and the... Uh, the further we move into the other other furnishings, it, it again designed as we move closer to God, again more beauty, more splendor, more majesty because of the holiness of God. When we get inside the holy place, the materials again were pure gold and silver, okay? not bronze, but pure gold and silver. And finally, the Holy of Holies housed the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll get to that in the, you know, at the, the last Wednesday. We'll be looking at that. And that was overlaid with pure gold inside and out. So again, the tabernacle taught first and foremost about the holiness of God. I mean, just, just imagine, you know, you uh, imagine going to a, a place you know, you, you, you're visiting, and you go in, and you begin to, you walk through, and you begin to see, well, I go, boy, that's, that's beautiful. That's, oh, that's really beautiful. Well, let me take you on into the next room, and let's just move on through. And then all of a sudden, you begin to see that things are even more beautiful. And, and, and you, get this, you get this feeling of, I, you know, boy, the further we go in this, you know, it's not, it's not like you're going to end up in a mud room somewhere, you know. You, you, you begin to realize we're going to end up, we're going to end up in, 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 in something that's just going to blow our minds, you know, something so beautiful, so wonderful. You see? And you would see that gradation as you begin to walk through. And it would, again, teach you about the, the room that we're headed to is unique. It's, it's not, this, the room that we're headed to is not like the first room we came into. So it teaches about the holiness of God. Then secondly, the tabernacle would teach about God's helpfulness for his people. You see in this camp, encampment, you, you don't see this, but I've seen model pictures of this. So let me just ask you, all of these tribes, that were on the, what did they live in? Yeah, okay, but what, what did they dwell in? Tents, right, tents. It wasn't FEMA trailers or anything like that. It was just tents. So you've got, you've got God's people dwelling in tents. But then you've got their God dwelling in a tent alongside them. You, 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 you know, you, you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't have, like, I, I can remember, goodness, Catherine and I were, it's been years ago, goodness, we, we've been believers maybe a couple of years, we went on a mission trip with some other folks to Jamaica. It really was a mission trip. It wasn't vacation, I promise. But we, we were shown these, Elaborate these elaborate houses are sitting, and we 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 were in areas where people were living in boxes, and then in other parts of the city there was these elaborate mansions up on a hill, just I mean just pristine white beautiful homes, and these were these we asked who 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 lives here, drug dealers and politicians, <laughs> all all the people you know you know down here living in boxes, and you got the people living in these 
mansions elsewhere. But you have the God of the universe, you know, the holy God of the universe. He made everything, owns everything. He comes, dwells in a tent with his people who dwell in tents. This taught the people God's graciousness, his condescension to help them regarding their sins, their ignorance, and their disobedience. Yeah, because what, what, you know, what, what do we remember? It was sin, it was sin that caused the expulsion of Adam and Eve out of the garden, out of this dwelling place with God. They're out. And God could have said, not worried about dwelling with people anymore. That's how they're going to be. No. He comes along in the book of Exodus. I want to dwell with you. But you're a sinful people. You're a sinful people. So how are we going to fix this? And that's why that we have the book of Leviticus right after the book of Exodus. Because it flows right into you've got, you've got God telling Moses, build this tabernacle. Here's how you build it. Here's the furnishings, which we're going to look at more next few weeks. But then it goes right into the book of Exodus. And the people of God are not moving anywhere. They're staying stationary right here while, while all the details of the book of Leviticus are given. What, what are those details? It's, it's how God is going to deal with the sin of his people. It's all of the sacrifices, all the sacrificial system is laid out. Here, here, here's the kind of animals you bring. Here's, what, here's what's got to happen. Here's what's got to and, and God is condescending. You know, condescending to his people, coming down to his people and saying, I want to dwell with you and I'm going to, I'm going to fix this problem. We're going to deal with this problem because I want to dwell with you. I'm going to deal with your disobedience. I'm going to deal with your sin. Your ignorance I'm going to deal with all that. And, and that's what we see in the book of Exodus. And ultimately, ultimately, right? Ultimately, we who dwell in these tents, ultimately we find in the Gospels, the Gospel of John in particular, we ultimately see Jesus coming and taking on human flesh, tabernacle, tenting with us, the God of heaven, the, the God-man, fully God, fully man, coming down and dwelling among us. What is showing us again gracious condescension and to help us regarding our sins and our ignorance and disobedience.